We did a half an hour intro because it was our month break for August. Um, we're not going to talk about ourselves and we're just going to skip to talking about Meg and Meg Watterson. Megan Watterson. Yeah. Um, Why don't you do the intro? You, um, you wanted to bring her back on. Yeah. And I talk a lot about that in the episode, so I don't need to really go into that. Um, I just, there has been a shift in the last obviously in the last month um, since the election. Um, but there's also been this um, this shift, this this global shift that a lot of us, I think, especially people that are listening, because um, we're sensitive, uh, can feel. And um, I know that the last year has been, I mean, the last few years have been transformative, but the last year has been, um, I felt a, we've talked about this on our last check-in, um, I've just, I've had a, I've had a lot of stuff going on internally in, in the way that I approach my life in this world. And, mm-hmm. um, Megan, uh, we talk about it, but she has just, um, it's just funny. If we were to redo the teachers episode, um, I would include her in my top five. Um, mm. I feel like it's, it's interesting because last night, Megan, the girl that works, my, my girl who works in, in hip sobriety and, um, who does uh, our admin on the home podcast? Um, I took her to a Steph Snyder class, and she mm-hmm. has been going to Steph Snyder. And she told me last night she posted something, and then Steph commented on it, and she cried. And I was just like, <laughs> I get, I get that, and I know that because this, when I knew when I just first met Steph, I knew she was my teacher, and that's um, I didn't know it immediately with Megan, but I I know it now um, that yeah. I just um, like it's the same thing. It's just this this knowing that somebody is incredibly important for whatever reason and you have something to learn from them. And so I'm not going to give it away, but to me, this is, this is an ongoing conversation. It got cut short because the internets wanted to prevent us because the, because the patriarchal internets wanted to prevent us from having this conversation. They tried really hard, man. They tried everything. We didn't even get going to like 20 minutes in of trying. And then we got cut off twice and Mm -hmm. then, we both had to go, so it was pretty funny. Yeah, um, but this is an ongoing. Like she's Megan is a um, a forever home podcast guest, and I'm so honored and I feel so fortunate um, for that. Me too. Me too. So. Yeah. No. This is this is. Uh, I know it was maybe your favorite episode interview. I it's definitely up there for me. It was surprising, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since. Uh, and we just scratched the surface. So. Mm-hmm. Here you go, people. Here is Meg Watterson. Here we go. All right. Um, hey, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. All right. This is so I'm I'm really excited to do this. This I I asked you if you would mind doing another interview with us. Um and here's why. And so I I was I've already explained to you 
I when Laura found you and sent me um, your stuff, uh, it's really funny because the the like visual I have in my mind is the red is seen red. Um, <laughs> and I was immediately like my initial reaction to reading your reading about your work was no, not my stuff. And I even told Laura that and I didn't read your book before you came on. And it wasn't like an affront to you. It was just this isn't my thing. Like this is not this lady isn't speaking my language. Um <laughs> And so it was interesting, and, and I loved our conversation, and I got a lot out of our conversation. I, I went and I bought, um, I bought the agnostic gospel, uh, not the agnostic gospel, the um, uh, the, <laughs> not, the gnostic, like, the gnostic gospel of Mary Magdalene, um, and read that in Italy and loved it. And right at that time, too, all this stuff started to crack open um, for me on a different plane, like with um, with a lot of the stuff while I was in Italy that was happening back in America, and then. Um, I found Rebecca Campbell's work, which had been suggested to me many times, and I had also kind of avoided that, and I picked up Light is the New Dark, and then I picked, or the new, I can't remember, Light is the New Dark? Yep. Yeah. No, Light is is the New Black. Yes, thank you. Um, And then I, and I just consumed it, and then I found Rise, Sister, Rise, and then this funny thing started happening, um, which was uh, that you started coming up. Um, and so for instance, like I barely troll through Instagram and I was going through Instagram and all like, I was just seeing your photos over and again. And then, um, we, Laura and I went to New York and you and Kate North were sitting behind us. And she said, there's Meg Watterson. And I just had this, like, um, as I was reading Rebecca's work, I was just having this strong reaction to it. And also this like desire to talk to you, or it just felt like you were omnipresent. And then, um, and then that night Laura and I were in our hotel room and Laura's reading uh, I gave her rice this rice and I had said I ordered this for you and she picked it up to look at it and she opens it up to a page and there's your name and um and so I so I I got rice sister rice and then I reached out to you because I just felt like I had to reach out to you and I just kind of threw up all this stuff that was stirring in me which was this like very strong I mean I've always I've always known some of the stuff um, that Rebecca was talking about, like I've always known things, um, that I, I'm not going to be able to articulate right now, but there was this, um, I got you on Instagram and I was just like, um, I feel like I need to connect with you. And then you told me about your reveal workshop in Devon. And then I bought a ticket to that and I'm going to London to see you. Um, and then, and then I bought your book. Um, and then I read your book and I read it within a couple of days and um, it just is so beautiful. And I see now what I couldn't see a couple of months ago. And it also is happening at this very interesting time in the world um, where where things are changing really fast and women are standing up faster. And um, anyway, and so that's why... I wanted to talk to you because I had all of these questions that came up and I sent you in an email and then we, and then you were like, <laughs> like, um, I'd love to talk about these things with you. And then I invited you on the podcast so we could actually talk about them, um, rather than me just sending you very long and, um, concerning emails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't concerning. It was great. You said she sent it to me, Meg. She's like, I, I mean, this might scare her. I don't know. <laughs> so that's it. Then here we are. Um, 
And I have a lot of questions, but do you want to say anything in response to any of that before I, before I talk more? Oh, no. We lost her. No. Uh-oh. Okay, add her back. There she is. Are you there? Is she there? What happened? We blew a oh, fuse? No, yeah. no, I told you. It's the patriarchy. <laughs> That's amazing, man. <laughs> I just picture wow. somebody out there <laughs> just listening and like, nope. nope, pulling the plug on this one. Shut this shit down. These girls are going to light the world up. We're going to blow some circuits. So did you, okay, so basically we kind of got to the point where I let up, which all the stuff you already know. And I just was like, do you want me to launch into the questions or do you have something to say about that? What I've, what I said so far. No, yeah, let's get, I mean, could you save what, what was just recorded? Yeah. yeah, we've still been recording. Oh, oh wonderful. Okay, yeah. great. All right, so here we go. Okay, so I'm, my first is, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about my strong reaction against your work, because it was a strong reaction. It was a strong reaction against it, as much um, as an equal, well, maybe not as an equal, but close to as I am into it at this point. Um, so I'm right. curious about what you think it means, like why I would see red, why I would hear the words divine feminine, why I would hear about ritual, and like just be like, no, mm-mm, not, mm well, so from my experience, that a question as good as that is actually yours. That's <laughs> and and what I would like to hear is is why do you think you had such an aversion to this material? To be honest, um, I thought it was um, oh god, it just reminded me of like. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, give me a second to kind of formulate it. It just reminded me of, like, um, an inferior line of thought and, um, okay. like, a, uh, and I'm just being honest. It just reminded me of. No, I um, need it. I yeah. want it. This is what I want to hear. Yeah, it reminded me of an inferior line of thought. It reminded me of, like, something that was, like, uh, ultra feminine and very, tur- it turned me off. Like, any, um, any time, like, I feel like any time there's this, like, over, um, Oh, like essentializing, like essentializing what the feminine is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh. And like, and like talking about it too much, um, and being like that far on the side of it. Like, um, to me it's just like, it was, which now at like today it's a much different thought, but that was the original turnoff from it was like, I'm not interested in hearing about goddesses. I don't want to like, I'm just, it's not my jam. Um, and so, and it was a very, um, I'm, I mean, I, for as sensitive as I am and as, um, as, and all the things that I am, I also have, have a really strong, I, I also have a, a pretty strong masculine side. And I would say yeah. that it was like an immediate shutdown of nope, not that, not interested in that. Right. Um, right. So that's what I would say. I, and I think that that's really important and powerful, especially the word inferior. Like, don't you th- find that so interesting that it's like an inferior form of thought? Because what what I find so interesting is that what we react to is often what we haven't faced, like what we have an aversion to, what triggers us outside of us is something that we actually have to turn towards and tend to within us. Yeah, That's what I've found in my own experience. And that's something that has 
triggered me one way or the other. It's really about, it's really a sacred mirror about something that I haven't quite come to terms with or grappled with enough within me, right? Because like if, if, if the divine feminine was something that really you understood and appreciated and you would, you would just have no reaction. Don't you think it's fascinating that you had a strong negative reaction? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I agree with that. And, and I mean, I've, those are the conclusions I've come to. I, I think like for me, truly it's been, I know it's because for so long there's been, you know, I've had a very, very masculine approach to the world. Um, mm. and, and Laura and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, just in, in my work ethic and the way I think I have to be, um, and getting in touch with a softer side a lot, oftentimes, um, is just, uh, you know, is associated with weak, right? Like flow versus right. push is to me very weak. Right. Um, and Laura can even attest to this and how our working styles come together. I mean, I've been, I'm very much the one that's like the taskmaster and the driver and the, um, and so I, you know, for me, that was it. I think I'm curious to know if you've ever encountered that, if you've ever felt like you, if if you've ever encountered, like what struck me was how strong you must be to carry this work out into the world. Because if I, a woman, right, who would define herself as a feminist and would have a couple months ago have that reaction to this. Um, I'm just curious, I think from in your experience, if you have that, if you encounter that, um, with, with other women's interpretations or projections of what the work is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I experienced it myself, um, initially, because I was first introduced to it via the sort of goddess movement, which, you know, like Starhawk and Mary Daly and the feminist theological work um, yeah. that I got into and like ecofeminism. So yeah. all that. And um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really fit in though, because I wasn't interested in, in, having hairy armpits and, and smoking pot and wearing long skirts. Like I hate long skirts or I hate them, hate them, you know, like that wasn't me. And so, and I felt like that at at the time, that was kind of my only choice. It was like the goddess move. I I sort of like, well, where the hell? And I, I had a bit of an avert felt one to it in the same way that I feel like I can identify with what you're saying. Um, just, just in that I, I was never gonna, you know, splatter paint my menses, you know, uh, on a canvas or like all of these, which, which I, I find deeply powerful and can be profoundly healing for some people. It's just like, where do I find my, relation to this? Where do I find what's actually authentic to my own embodiment of what it means to uh, be in alignment? You know, I mean, can you hear me like be embodied with this work, like really own it and live it and find my way through it? And I think the opening and, and the reason why maybe you were able to begin to listen or, or to begin to at least be curious, right? Curiosity is a form of compassion. Curiosity allowed you at some point to begin to, to not shut it out, but maybe see what, what is this about it? You know, I think it comes from 
beginning to understand that the divine feminine isn't about usurping or um, replacing uh, an image and an idea and a and a dominant, you know, masculine replacing it with the divine feminine. You know, it's it's not it's a completely different paradigm. It's not that either or. It's the both and, and that's understanding that. So as much as you can identify and really see the way that you've led with the masculine within you, it's honoring and appreciating those attributes, but then not at the expense denial and the sub uh, submission of the feminine within you. So, so the goal is finding that very personal and intimate, authentic relation to both those attributes within us, which have been so <laughs> out of whack and misaligned and very often at war yeah. within us right. because outside of us, we have so few examples of both being honored. Yeah. Right. We have so few examples of there being an equal adoration and admiration of the feminine as, as the masculine. And yeah. like so few, I can't so even think of very many, you know, there, there are like, well, I'm also in the middle of rewatching Mad Men right now. Oh, <laughs> so me I'm, too. So I know oh. you're the one who oh. <laughs> got me to think of it. <laughs> so it, it's like I'm looking through that lens, and and it's it's scary how, or not scary. It's just fascinating and, and a bit scary how much is actually still the same. Yeah, even from that time, um, and how few voices there are. I mean, <clears throat> you your your work came to me, I guess I was just happened to be open to it too, because I don't know that I would be attracted to, to this, um, either, but I found you like on the right day and I happened to listen to one of your Hay House talks and it was like, I got it. I got it in that moment. Um, and that's when I, you know, told Holly I wanted you on. So I think it is. There are so few examples. Who? Well, I'll let Holly keep going. Well, I but. was going to say the thing that struck me the most was when you were talking about the experience that you had when you were 10 in Sunday school and how it was it occurred to you that the woman's story like was was uh, there, there were no women's stories like they were men's stories. There were women's stories as told through men. Um, right. And I when you said that, I was like, yeah, of course. And it wasn't a big deal to me. And mm. it didn't hit me. And also was, I was dismissive of that too in, in the terms of like, of course that is because that's the way it is. And yeah. then what has, and I didn't take that as a, there wasn't a bump there. And then right. when I was, and now after going back and reading other things, and then also now I'm reading When God, um, when God Was a Woman, the thing that is shocking to me the most is that I've always accepted patrilineal um, uh, descendants. Like I've always accepted that as the norm, meaning I've always assumed that it's always been man. And now we're just kind of coming up with this idea of this divine feminine rather than this return to something. And mm. so 
for me, and now it's very obvious, it's very obvious that there was, that there was, that there is a force in place to, to put man, um, at the center in power and women at the subordinate. Like it's very clear now that this wasn't always the way it was right. uh, or like the natural order of things. Um, right. it's like for me, truly my mom was my Sunday school teacher even though I don't go to church or define myself as a Christian anymore I do have a very deep-seated belief that it just like God is a man of course like what you know and and of course like you know we passed you know we passed down heritage through the man why wouldn't we and so now it's a very clear like oh shit um and so I think it's what I would like to hear is um how do we bring this into balance? What is it that brings this into balance? What does that even look like? You mean in terms of the masculine and the feminine? In our world and in our society, like personally or in our world and our society, because it's to me, well, it's we, like, oh my God. We've never seen it. We've never seen it. We've never lived it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I think all of us on a certain level, so many of us, at least so many people I've spoken with, so many who have suffered what it feels like to be less than, right? So it's not just women, it's minorities, it's people in positions of vulnerability who understand what it's like to be less than, to be the lesser, to be the inferior. It's like we all at some point have this dream, this like this dream that dreams us at some point. And whether we actually have a daydream or we, we have it in meditation or it's in mid, mid tree pose or, or while we're seeing our baby for the first time, there's, there's like this moment where there is this place where, you know, love reigns. There is this place where our soul matters, not our skin, not our sex determination, not our brilliance as determined by institutions. You know, there's this place, there's this time, there's this ability for us to see each other soul to soul. And I've, I've never experienced that. I don't know if I'll ever get to experience that, but I know that it exists because I've glimpsed it. Yeah. And I've had it with people in moments. And then it's like when I have that moment with someone, it's like I'm I'm remembered as if back to a time when when that was the truth or it still is the truth mm. or it may one day at some point be the truth again um where we are not determined by our sex. We are not determined by our skin. We are not determined by our sexual orientation. We are not determined by anything external to us. We are seen for the love, the light, the soul, the presence that we bring. And we are acknowledged for that. Mm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it but makes perfect that's, sense. That's the, that's the, that's the place... I I live in, it's the place I try to return to when I'm brought out of it. It's the place that I try to help other people experience and remember. Um, and I think ultimately it's within us. Yeah. And, 
you know, if ever we are going to see it or feel it or experience outside of it, for me, it comes from a, a deep commitment and a practice, a deep, deep, sincere practice to meet that place within ourself, to become that sanctuary ourself, that safe space within ourself. And especially for women, that can be a really, really hard sanctuary to find inside our bodies. And I go back to that comment you made about the assumption of, of course, God is a man, of course, God is a man. And you know, at times, one of the projections that's put on me is, is or the aversions is that, oh, so, so God's a woman, so God's a woman, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my deepest, truest, most loving answer is, is that um, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what we say God is. Um, but it matters when we leave out all that God is. So if we're saying God is a man, then, then we say that God isn't a woman. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I do. It doesn't matter what word we use for God ultimately, or goddess or divine or whatever you use. But for me, because the knowing lives in my body, this isn't a theory, this isn't theology, this isn't a conviction, this is something I experienced because I was sexually abused as a little girl. I knew that the female body was considered less holy, and I knew in ways I couldn't articulate as a little girl that that had everything to do with the fact that the majority of the world for thousands of years believed that God was a man, just a man, which meant God was not a woman, which meant women's bodies meant less. They're more disposable. They're somehow less sacred. And that to me, is like the elephant in the room and always has been since I was little. Well, so of course, one out of four women are raped. Of course, the sex slave industry is a billion dollar industry in our world. And the children are little girls. You know, the, the teenagers are teenage girls. Um, these are female, female bodies. So, so if we are going to ever see that place outside of us, we need to begin to look critically at the way that our ideas of the divine then affect the status of women. And if we're ever going to see that place, we have to look at the ways that we are devaluing our own female body. In very, very deceptively small ways that are so profound, you know, the, the, the million ways that we betray ourselves. Like uh, what? Like what would you? Like, want, this like, is such a good point. Like someone says, do you want to do something? And you say yes, and you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you have no fucking interest doing what they want you to do, but... You are so caught up in thinking that you need to be approved, that you, you need to prove your loveliness. You need to prove your worthiness. You need to prove that you're useful 
Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. so you say yes. And that sounds really minor, but you know what? Some women do it for the majority of their entire lives. Yeah. 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 Yes. And then they're not doing what they've come here to do they're, because they're not even hearing that voice. I think we're all born with this innate connection to the soul. And when I say soul, I just mean the truest, most authentic aspect of who we are, the essence of who we are. And we all, male, female, um, trans, you know, indeterminate sex, mm-hmm. all of us, every soul is born with that capacity to know itself. Um, and the work is to be able to love so fiercely as to in, in those moments when someone wants us to do something for them or wants us to do something um, that we don't actually want to do, we, we say no when we hear no. Yeah. And that's what I mean by be- becoming a safe space within ourselves. So we begin to trust ourselves with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Oh, I want to um, just, you just like made a connection that I had made, but never really, I, or you made a new connection for me that I had like ideas about, but I'd never really made. And it kind of is blowing my mind. So because we talk about addiction a lot, right. And um, the, the pain, the deep, deep pain, the initial pain, um, and this is not a new concept, this has been talked about from the beginning of time, is our disconnection from our soul, our disconnection from spirit, from the divine, right? Yeah. And the bit, and I know for me that at least part of the reason, and definitely the deepest reason I was seeking to numb myself in, you know, many ways, but well, primarily through drinking was to fix that, to relieve the pain from it, and also to find it, to seek yeah. it, to go into that um, space, because I thought that's what would get me that experience of being closest to myself. So it's like this, um, it just, I mean, it finally just made that connection that I remember my friend Jenny telling me that, um, you know, that a lot of people or that in her circles, the theory was that um, addiction happens because of our disconnection from God, our disconnection from spirit. And I think for women, I'm just putting this together that the pain is that much deeper because not that we experience addiction in a deeper way, but that it's, it's complicated by the fact that not only are we disconnected from that place in us from God, from spirit, from soul, but we are also disconnected in in the idea of what that even is based on what you just said, that we don't consider our bodies. I mean, I just did a workshop on this. We don't consider our bodies a safe place to live. Right. And we don't trust it from the beginning. Right. And then we add the confusion of being addicted to a substance and all the other stuff that goes along with that. Um, it just, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's the, big. 
Meg, can you talk a little bit about how you came to find this place within yourself? There's like, there's just certain parts of your book. Like this one thing that really caught me was, um, you are we talking about reveal or how to love yourself? Reveal. Okay. When you, there's this one part where you're talking about how you would wear tight jeans and a sweater with a coming off your shoulder. Um, because that was the expression of you. Um, rather than the expression of your sexuality and um, like meaning your sexuality in order to gain like a partner or to be seen as right. a sexual object, right. but you're just the expression of your feminism. And um, it caught me because I, I dress that way. I dress, I mean, I dress like in sweats a lot of the time, but I also dress in ways that <laughs> are very provocative because it's my expression of me. It's not like in order to go out there and be like, please check out my body. Um, it's right. more of like, this is, this is how I went to feel. And I, I had somebody some one time, a mentor, pull me aside and ask me if I had uh, been sexually abused. Um, because, wow. um, and I said, no. And she said, well, she said it was because, and she's a psychotherapist. No, she said it was because, um, she's not my therapist, but she said it was because um, she wondered if, if because of how I dressed. And, wow. um, but I thought like, I think, what really came across in reading reveal and that's i'm i'm pointing that out because um that's a place to get to like when you wrote when you wrote that um it was the first time it actually put into words uh why i dress the way that i dress um and why i love dressing the way that i dress um and there's just other pieces in it where um just like you i mean just your pilgrimage and um you know and and uh just it seemed to me the tone of a lot of this stuff was you were I mean I mean clearly you were coming into your own you're finding your way Uh, and so I'm just I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you came into your like what that looks like for you how you came into finding your body as a safe space like how what does that look like for you and and what is that like today I think that this is so profoundly important because the tenor of what I'm experiencing right now is that a lot of women in in fear of the misogyny that's been emboldened recently, in fear of that, there's been a a desire or, um, you know, a sense of wanting to shut down the sexuality, Mm -hmm. wanting to disengage and separate from our sexuality. And for me, you know, as I mentioned, um, I wanted to figure out what my own personal intimate relationship with the divine was going to be. And for me, that journey had everything to do with my sexuality and my sexual power and my sexual energy. Mm -hmm. You know, that sex is not primarily an act. It's not... It, it ultimately doesn't have to do with anybody else. And I'm not talking about masturbation. I'm talking about the fact that being deeply rooted and embodied, deeply connected to the source of our sexual energy is the most powerful place for us to be. That is such a source of strength and power and profound creativity mm. and it's not for anyone else and it's not about anyone else mm-hmm. it is about us owning 
and living and embodying that energy. And mm. it's from that embodied place. And, and this is a message that's really important because often we want to shut down in times like this. We want to like, you know, cut ourselves off from it. And the reality is that that's the most dangerous place to be is yeah. cut off from the source of our power. Oh my God. I'm so glad you're saying this. Oh my God. And so, it, you know, that, that journey for me, here I am at seminary, right? I'm in a place where the, you know, the majority yeah. of people are trying to just be mind because mind <laughs> is what's masculine. Mind is what's God. Mind is what's man. Mind is what, and that wasn't true for me. That wasn't my experience. I was finding God more often when I was deeply, deeply, deeply in my heart, in my body. Mm-hmm. I was finding it, it at Baron Baptiste Power Yoga, you know, when I was mm-hmm. sweating my ass off. And I was finding it when I was moving, when I was dancing and, and twirling like a dervish at night. I was finding it. No. Are you there, Meg? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You were finding it. Keep going. (laughs) I was finding it in those spaces that aren't ordinarily described as sacred. Yeah. And that to me, so I was never going again to divorce my body from my soul, my light from my dark, my masculine from my feminine, my sexuality from my spirituality. Mm. That to me was an unholy divide that wasn't true for me and, and kept me from really coming more and more alive and more and more love. And that to me is the divine. That to me is approaching the divine. I had to approach the divine with my body, not by denying it. And, and that's how many religions and many traditions have suggested that we approach the divine is right. without the body. Right. That's right. And, and in my experience, that, that was incomplete. That was a bypass. That was a transcendence. What I wanted was the eminence. What I wanted was to bring that love that is love that is love that is love that is love Mm -hmm. and allow it to live inside me, allow it to become the essence of who I am and to bring that down from the mountains, from these elite places, from these, you know, cathedrals, these synagogues and and begin to really explain that we we have we have to begin to see one another and experiencing experience one another as holy and witness each other with this love um, in the most difficult of places right it's really easy to find Jesus um, when you're on meditation for like two weeks in the mountains, you know, or, or the goddess when you're um, in a temple and you don't have anything that's in your face or um, loud and uh, opposing. Um, 
you know, for me, that's, that's the real work. And that's what it looks like right now is, is how do I breathe love into this every moment? Like how, how do I bring, um, how do I keep transmuting, which is so different from transcending, right? Transmuting is, is going into the pain and actually experiencing it and then allowing that to dissolve into the waters of, of deeper wisdom. Um, so, yeah, so that's what it, that's what it looks like right now is, um, you know, I think it was Jung said at one point, uh, that, that there, there's, there's no, there's no end here, right? Like there's no, I think I've always thought that I would reach this point and then it would be like, oh, you know? <laughs> like yes. it just, you know, this idea of me, you know, like, um, the girl in Shrek, when, when she's kissed by the kiss of true love and she, you know, she radiates light beams out the palms of her hands and the soles of her feet. Like, I really thought that that was going to happen to me. And I was going to walk around from then on out and only drop like diamonds, uh, everything I say and everything I do. And people would be lit by love just by encountering me. You know, I really, really believed that. And, and Jung said at some point that death is the goal. Like, there is no, like what he means by that or how I, how I understood it is that we're here to do the work and to do the work and to do the work and to do the work. And, right. and, and, that, and that the people you want to be around and surround yourself right now are the people who are not experts, the people who mm-hmm. are um, learning, the people who are beginners, the people who understand that um, every single morning we wake up and we begin again, mm-hmm. you know, every single morning, um, the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, the, the idea that, that we have no fucking clue <laughs> what <laughs> is going on and, and may I never reach that point where I think I'm done. You know, where I think that I have reached the truth um, because then I've lost it. Um, And, 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 and and maybe, maybe that's ultimately the, the essence, maybe right there, what I'm describing right now is the essence of, of the divine feminine. And, and it's a, it's a power to be humble. It's a power to be vulnerable. It's a power to be able to not know it's, it's a power to say, um, I'm, I'm listening and I'm holding space and, um, it's, it's a power to be able to say I am with, right. right? I am am fixing, not I am. Exactly. 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 Mm -hmm. Yes. How do you, so, you touched on like the dailyness and the ritual. What does that look like for you? Like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? I have my ideas. It's about weird what you over do. here, ladies. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty fucking weird over here too. But I'm gonna talk about your weirdness. Okay. 
So, um, okay, first, uh, the most important practice that I have is something that I refer to as a soul voice meditation. And I write about it in Reveal. Mm -hmm. And I I also write about it in How to Love Yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to write about it again in this Mary Magdalene book that I'm starting soon. um, Because it's so crucial to me, because especially now, but always, but um, the import and the impact of it uh, is just so crucial. It's it's a very simple meditation. It's a practice of simply going inward, and you know, I mentioned that place, or I've been referring to the sanctuary, or you know, for for me, my experience is that the heart isn't. Um, the heart isn't a heart. You know, I, I don't think of it as the physical organ. The heart is this mediator between the worlds. Like the heart is this, this uh, very sacred place that we can enter inside of us mm-hmm. um, and we can cultivate it. Like it, it can become more and more real. It can become more and more of that safe space that we're describing. Yeah. You know, a place where no harsh word towards ourselves has the power to reach it. Mm-hmm. Um so the soul voice meditation is this practice of going inward and cultivating the capacity to meet with that voice of love inside of us. And the reason why that's so important is because then we can actually know what we already know. Mm-hmm. We can hear and feel the love that we so often seek outside of us in, in very misfortunate source, you know, from very, uh, yeah. Unstable sources, uh, Mm -hmm. that can use and manipulate us in, in, uh, incredible ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it's a space where we can draw inexhaustibly, uh, from a limitless source of love. We, we can, we can meet with, uh, a love that will never leave us. It's my favorite line. And you of yours. do this. You do this by. Is this where you write the question out? Is this where you write the question out in your journal? And then you, it, like, how do you actually Great. do it? Good. Okay. So, so yeah. So, so initially, uh, you know, meditation for me, wh- whatever that was, fifteen years ago or whatever, was something Buddhist did, and or was something that I. I couldn't do. I tried, you know, I went on a Vipassana meditation retreat. I tried so hard, (laughs) but it's like, I I couldn't still the mind and my, and my body hated sitting still like that. You know, it just, it was, it was so wrong. So the idea of meditation was too much for me initially. And so how, how it began was, was the journal writing. And, and I had been, I had been journal writing as so many of us do to, to kind of an ambiguous person, right? It's like, who are we writing to when we write down all these things? <laughs> like, who's ever going to read this? Um, <laughs> but I'd been doing that since I was a little girl and, and so interested and so compelled by every little detail of my life. And, and then when I was in seminary, what I ended up doing was um, because I had been on my first pilgrimage uh, to Mary Magdalene in the Black Madonna, um, I I had experienced that sensation of love not being outside of me, but something that was deep inside of me, something that um, 
it was almost like seeped out from my bones, you know, rather than the, the way I had known love before. It was like feeling it come from an outside source, you know, and, and thinking God or the divine would be something like that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. holy and above me. And, uh, but something that came from outside. And uh, when I was on that pilgrimage, I, I had that sensation of like, oh, shit. You know, it was <laughs> like I've been walking around with it for the whole time and, and knocking on these doors when it was within me. You know, I, I just needed to turn around, sit still and look inward. It, 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 it released from within my bones was the sensation that I had. And so I, when I got back, when I was in seminary and I, and I got back to journal writing, I changed from black ink to red. And that was symbolic Mm -hmm. of the love And I was writing towards that love because I didn't just want to experience it, you know, overseas in some crazy crypt and say, it's St. Marie de la Mer, you know, like with the legends of Mary. I wanted to encounter it every day if possible, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started with, um, with journaling to it. And that's a very good I'm really glad you brought that up because that is a very digestible and approachable way to start this process of going inward is just even taking five minutes, pick a color that feels powerful. And, And the reason why I like switching up the color is just because it invites a voice we might not have heard before. Mm -hmm. Like it it disengages the rational mind, the, the, the list maker, the taskmaster, it disengages that and allows us to, to begin to listen to a less dominant voice, one that, that really desperately needs to be heard. And, and I began to hear it, it with that red ink. I began to ask it questions and eventually that that journey became the soul voice meditation where I took it from out of the ink and, and inward into my heart. So um, it's like placing. So I, I did. I got gel pins out after I, I read your while I was reading your <laughs> book. Um, so it's like for what I did with it, just to like make it practical for people listening. I wrote out questions that were like uh, like that I needed answers to, um, and exactly. then just dropped it in and kind of, which I have never been able to do before. By the way, um, I let my hand write. Mm-hmm. I've always been. I've always heard this. Yes, just I like let it come out. The day that you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she it, was I, like, I did it. I did it. I just wrote. <laughs> I know. And my, my pin almost like, I mean, cut through the paper and the best, I mean, it's like the best thing I've ever written. Um, but it was just like letting my hand and actually like allowing something just to come out without thinking about it, which is is a very hard thing to do. Criticizing it. Yeah. Right. It's just like letting it kind of come. And so, um, so I'm just making it practical for people. That's how I started doing it was just, I wrote a question out. Um, and then I let my hand flow without thinking about it. Just like kind of like writing out whatever the words that were coming up. Um, yeah. And that's and what you're so, saying. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you guys, it, it, it's all, I have to, it's go. like listening to, it's like listening to this deeper voice that, you know, it took a long time for me to recognize that that was my voice. I really thought I was channeling some like crazy angel or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. It took a long time before I was like, oh, that's me. That's the truest, truest, truest version of me. You know, for a while I I thought, oh God, you know, I'm going to be like on some YouTube channel, like channeling things for people, you know, and it's, but really it's just that it's, it's rare that we meet with that fierce, fiery, um, most pure raw version of our own voice. And, and, and that, that 
process is so, it seems simple, right? But it's deceptively powerful. So yes, either write down questions that you already have, or if, or if you don't, on, on retreats, sometimes what I suggest is just start with the question, what I need you to know is, mm-hmm. and then go with that, like start with that beginning. Yeah. Are you there? Oh, I think we lost her again. Oh. <laughs> like, the no. technologies really doesn't want us. I wasn't I saying you guys have to get off. Keep going. Um, when she comes back on, I just got to go. Love you. Love you. So that's where it ends. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Awkward ending. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, um, to be continued. Yeah, we um, we lost Meg, and we all had a hard stop. Well, the two of you had a hard stop, and so we just texted right after that point, this point in the conversation, and decided um, we're just going to keep on coming back to the conversation as things evolve. Um, and so uh, if you uh, want to find Megan um, and learn more about her, um, her book Reveal is one of the best books that I've ever read. She also runs retreats, Reveal Retreats. Um, I'm going to England to check one out. I might have to come. Dude. Um and uh what else oh and she also has written another book called um how to love yourself co-authored a book um and she has she has another book too she has um sutras of unspeakable joy and um a couple others really where are these uh on our website oh okay all right not on amazon yeah reveal, reveal is the way in though yeah um and she also is on Instagram and Facebook and all that crap. So anyway, but find her, seek her out. She's I think she has a lot of of important information to share with our people. All right, babe. Bye. Bye. Oh